The Incomparable. Number 548. January 2021. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This is an episode about a Pixar film. It's a brand new Pixar film. It debuted on Disney Plus on Christmas Day 2020. It's called Soul. It was directed by Pete Docter. You might know him from uh, such films as Inside Out and Up. Co-directed by Kemp Powers, who uh, previously was a Star Trek Discovery writer, actually. <laughs> um, and uh, features all sorts of interesting voices, most notably Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey. Uh, we're going to talk about a Pixar movie because we like Pixar movies, and they often have a lot to them. And Soul most definitely does. Here to talk about Soul with me are the three souls I have commended to this podcast. Here they are. <laughs> Chip Sutterth. Hello. This won't be a disaster, that's for sure. Jane <laughs> McDonald. Hi. Hi. Uh, not not a manipulative megalomaniac here. Just me. And uh, spinning that sign over on that street corner, it's Moises <laughs> Chuyon. He's in the zone, people. He's in the zone. The government says it's nine o'clock, which means it's time to record a podcast. <laughs> okay, so Soul, I think it's probably an okay place to start to say that Soul is from a person who brought you inside out and a studio that brought you inside out. And I think that it's fair to say that these the, those two movies have some things in common. Um, I, I think it's it's unfair to say that this i've read a couple of reviews that said that this is sort of like doing the inside out playbook again i don't think that's really right uh but it is in the sense of uh, taking a kind of metaphorical metaphysical journey and asking some questions about life and about who we are um but while inside out was was inward uh soul is very very outward in a lot of ways but I think it's I think it's interesting. I I was taken aback as I watched this on I think Christmas Day actually um, about how Pixar how ambitious Pixar is to make movies like this and Inside Out where there are um, sort of like fantasy worlds that are trying to talk about real things about being a a, a living person on planet Earth and I I just I marvel at the at the ambition and the scope of uh, of movies like this. Well, Jason. I would, uh, I would, I would, uh, I would take a moment to argue with you something that's never happened before, um, which is to say that I, I feel like both movies are very introspective, and and the criticism of oh they're you know just you know doing another thing from the Inside Out playbook, introspection is a real deep kind of a thing, uh, and and I think I think people who don't get that are the ones who would make that kind of criticism, the people who feel like. Um, there is no reason to do self-analysis and no reason to do exactly the kind of stuff that's at the at the heart of this movie. We're not actually disagreeing, I think, because um, yeah. I disagree on your disagreement because, oh, oh yes, no, I just go. invalidated see, my see. point. Um, because Inside, Inside Out is about trying to understand, I would say, um, understand yourself in a way of sort of like who who you are and what the parts of you are soul is also introspective but i would say it's introspective in a way that's also trying to figure out where you belong and what your what what you decide your purpose is should you decide that and what you want your life to be like and the metaphor for it is obviously expansive it is this sort of endless eternal universe of souls whereas inside out is all sort of like a universe inside one person's mind but in the end yeah they are they are, i do think they're they're similar and 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 ambitious in a similar way mhm yeah uh, ambitious and also 
especially this one. I remember loving Inside Out, uh, but there's enough interplay between the the wacky personality components inside that it's it feels more cartoony. This feels I'm overgeneralizing more like an animated film, like um, like they're making less of an effort to appeal to the kids and, or to the family audience. They're messing with the form. They're messing with um, they're messing with metaphysical concepts and with just what the hell can we get away with in animation that we've never done before and just throwing it all together. Um, uh, I was a big fan back in the day of uh, comic book uh, artist uh, Scott McCloud, um, his Understanding Comics uh, series and things like that. And he did a lot of exploration in in comics about um, comics that are all about messing with the form as opposed to like the storytelling and the plot. And I know when we walk through the plot, you know, there may be we may be taking some left turns and scratching our heads at some points, but. I think that this movie is all about the form and the ideas, and it's just it, it feels very different to any of the other Pixar movies that I've seen. I, this is a film. I, this is a film. I really wish I could be different people and watch it like fresh from like a kid's point of view, you know, or younger adults' point of view, because I thought it was incredible. But I also thought <laughs> it was made for me, you hmm. know. And so, what, um, you know, what, what, what do other people think about it? I, I mean, I have had some discussions. I watched it on Christmas Day uh, with uh, one of my friends, and then two days later, I actually had a date for the second rewatch um, to watch it a second time with somebody who I knew when they watched it the first time would want to watch it without like the distractions of uh, trying to uh, sync up and watch it over, uh, you know, the internet remotely with me. And uh, so I watched it, you know, I did get to talk to a couple of people, but I'm really looking forward to hearing um, from even more people. And, you know, this is a movie I would like to go out, you know, for beers with people and, and talk about, and that I really, feel, you know, is something, you know, that I miss in addition to the missing it on the big screen, because I'm sure that would have been really incredible as well. I mean, the universality thing, I mean, that's that's something that's common across Pixar films is that there's something for everybody age 8 to 80. Um, but it, it feels uh, it feels deeper and different this time. There there are so many things peppered throughout it that aren't just, hey, here's the one thing for this person at this one stage of life. It's kind of looking at life as as a series of metaphysical stages that kind of uh, you know happen in parallel sometimes, and you know different people have different discoveries at different. Um, different stages of that, and I, I've watched it three times now, and I've mm-hmm. I've picked up different little things each time, uh, different things that I've I've relished and enjoyed differently, things that I've focused on more, things that I I direct my attention to, paying more attention to this thing or that thing in this scene or that scene. Um, you know, the the first time there were specific. Um, there's specific stylistic things that I was looking at in different uh, areas in the movie. Uh, I don't know if, if we're, if we're going to do a spoiler horn or if we're just treating it as spoilers. Ahoy. But um, especially with some of the more abstract 
animation, um, the uh, st- abstract styles used in in the animated characters in different places. I found myself just focusing on very specific little facets of things that were way more um, intricate than 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 I picked up on glancing at them, seeing them. Uh, that was completely different. Focusing on them, um, and that's that 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 to me is the best trick of the movie. Is that things that um, things that you're not focused on work just fine, and they're not distracting. But if you focus in on little background stuff, it really it it comes to life just like the the particles that the different emotions are made of in Inside Out. Um, it's that, but across the whole movie. The um, we will uh, say I'm not going to fire off a spoiler horn because I, I think we're going to talk about what's in the movie. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, you should be listening to this podcast about it. Go go watch it. <laughs> Go watch it, especially if you've got Disney Plus. Uh, it's right there. Just go watch it and then come back here and listen to us talk about it. One of the things before I walk through the plot a little bit, just as a way for us to kind of address what happens in the movie, I, I think we should talk about uh, one of the big interesting aspects of this movie, which is it has two settings. It has the earth and like real life, and then it has a spiritual plane. And that, so our main character, who I I am going to say this in the plot summary in a moment, but he dies and, or sort of, doesn't, but kind of. Uh, anyway, the movie kind of cheats on that a little bit, but that's okay. And finds himself in a, in, in a spiritual life where he's on a conveyor belt going to the great beyond. <laughs> and he ends up. It, he ends up escaping from that, which is a, you know, I think I would say kind of a familiar Pixar thing where somebody goes where they aren't supposed to go and discover something they aren't supposed to know and upsets the balance. That is a, a kind of a classic uh, Pixar move, I would say. And I, I, I recognize it and I enjoy it. He ends up in the training, uh, the training camp for souls that are going to be sent to Earth. So they've come. Uh, he, he ends up in the great before where the souls are before they get set down to earth and meets um, and meets a bunch of uh, pe- interesting people there. And we'll get into the plot. But what you get is these two settings. And our main character is uh, is a human on earth. But in the great beyond, he's an abstract character. He's like an abstract, almost drawing of a character that's kind of like him, but also like a cartoon drawing. And it is, I kept coming back to how much I loved the completely different feel that the movie has when it's in the spiritual realm and when it's down on earth. And you also see it where the music changes because this, this, there are essentially two soundtracks to this film as well. There is a jazz soundtrack led by John Batiste, which people may know from him being the band leader on uh, Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Uh, and he and he does all the beautiful piano work. And they they had like eighty GoPros around him when he would perform so that they could animate <laughs> his fingers perfectly when he's playing the, playing the piano and stuff like that. That's one of the most astonishing bits of animation too. Is it's they, so good. captured the way he moves and plays, not just the way his fingers move, but the way his whole body moves around the piano. Yeah, it's and if you if you've seen John Batiste, you're like uh, you can you can see it. You can be like, "Oh, oh, he's inhabiting he's inhabiting that character in those moments when the character's playing uh, on the piano." But then in the in the super weird spiritual realm you've got also all this music from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross uh the really weird <laughs> electronic music it's it is the most eclectic mixture of of soundtrack that i i've heard in a while and it's also they're both 
amazing. <laughs> so, I, I, and then you you throw in the visuals and the I assume you know it's down to the color palette, like everything you could do a close analysis of how totally different these two world worlds are, and it's brilliant. It's one of the things that I I will always remember about this film is the fact that they went to the enormous effort to make two completely different realms that the movie takes place in. It's the only other musical note, uh, Bob Dylan, um, subterranean homesick blues. I I hadn't really thought about it before, but you have all jazz and then you have the, the soundtrack up at the top, but then, you know, cutting through (laughs) for, uh, the spiritual realm at, you know, a key point in the plot is a Bob Dylan, uh, clip. And there's also um, the, these these supernatural beings that we meet are um, two dimensional drawings. Yeah, yeah I, I just <laughs> I, when when they come in, you know, my brain is already just sort of uh, vibrating on a different frequency uh, when um, Joe is on the stairway to heaven. Uh, <laughs> but when the when the two dimensional Terry's and Jerry's uh, start uh, popping out, you know, that's, that's what I meant when I was talking about the, just playing with the form. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, the contrast is so amazing Um, between, between the hyper realism of earth, both musically and um, just in the look of the thing, you know, um, the characters are Pixar exaggerated, but New York is New York, man. It is yeah. so New York. It made I, I love visiting New York, and I can't anymore. And this movie made me homesick for it. Um, con- compare and contrast that with everything that is happening in two dimensions and three dimensions, and Trent Reznor-y, um, um You know, it really makes you. It it really bends your brain uh, going from one environment to the other. The animation stuff that that really gets me is that um, when he goes in the zone, he does this uh, this audition for his idol. Um, we we get to we get to touch you know the zone that we oh, see later zone. on. We we get a little we get a little bit of where we're going to, um, and then he goes back into the real world and it's New York, and we have you know a Pixar styled version of Looney Tunes level slapstick. You know bricks <laughs> falling, avoiding banana peels. Mm-hmm gigantic piles of thumbtacks. It's, it's, it's if Pixar did a Final Destination movie is essentially <laughs> yeah, what it yes. is. <laughs> and and we, you know, we we have that kind of energy and it, it makes me think, I mean, my favorite Looney Tunes short is Duck Amuck. Um, and <laughs> he falls down the manhole and then it is Spirit Realm Joe in a black expanse, just like the surrealism of that short. Uh, which is which is yeah maybe the best thing they've ever done with Daffy. It is the best thing they've ever done with Daffy uh-huh. Duck. What am I saying? Um, and and from that point they go. We're not just doing a style. We're not just figuring out how to do water or do um, you know hair or you know we're not we're not finding a big technical challenge. We're going to take the fact that the tools are where we can do really weird out there stuff that we're having to define and figure out and play with monochromatic um, uh, um, uh, 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 color grading and also the, like the, the little kind of field around uh, spirit realm characters like like Joe and like 22 where you have just little bits of these primary colors just kind of haloed around them but it, it, it's 
it's not it's not too obvious and not too subtle. It's exactly mm-hmm. right in between where um, you really have to be paying attention to it um, to to really to really feel it. Um, and yeah, he 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 jumps off of the stairway to heaven. And you know, we we have these kinds of constructs, things that I love in movies like. Um, a matter of life and death, uh, defending your life, you know, after life related movies. Um, I, you know, the, I, I will, I will disagree with you about something, Jason. I, I don't think that, I don't you think that he's so. dead. I think that he's on the edge. I think he's on the edge and that's what it is. I think they have it both ways where they, they make us think that he's dead, but when we need to, when we need to have the possibility that he isn't dead, he's, he's in the hospital at that he's, point. He's, ju- he's just barely hanging on. But, he's but just barely I, hanging on we and can he explain off of the bridge. That by not, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to summarize the plot now because then we can talk about exactly what happens to him. Um, so let's, let's back up for a moment. He, Joe Gardner is a teacher. He teaches middle school music, which means he teaches kids who are very, very badly playing music. The movie begins with the Disney overture being played the way, when you wish upon a star with the Disney castle and all that being played horrendously badly by someone we don't know who until we finally realize after the Pixar logo that it is Joe's middle school band having been a middle school band player i knew exactly what was going on <laughs> yeah that was when, having played played the trumpet for like 2 years in like 5th and 6th grade it was like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hat, hats off to the musicians who were able to create that sound or yeah. to the middle school band who performed it i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah congratulations to those mu- musicians who stuck with saxophone for longer than two weeks oh me. man <laughs> uh so so he is a uh, a jazz piano player who really wants to be a professional jazz musician uh but he is uh and he has reached a, a very important point in his life because he has been simultaneously offered uh, having his music teacher job go full-time so he can get a full-time job with everything that comes with that, which makes his mother very happy. But he also hears of an opening in the band of Dorothea Williams, the legendary jazz musician, and he gets a chance to audition for it. And he has a good audition. And he's in, in this position where his life seems to be at, at a very important point where he has to decide what he wants to do with his life and who he wants to be. And this could be the start of something very different for Joe, or he could make a decision about going another way. But this is when the aforementioned, as Moises said, uh, uh, Looney Tunes-like series of <laughs> threats comes at him until he dro- after he finally avoids all of them and then just steps into a, an open manhole. And falls, at which point he is translated into the great beyond, which is a not really a stairway to heaven as much as a uh, an airport people mover to heaven uh, going up. And a a Disney, a Disney World ride that isn't much of a ride. And I want to mention I want to mention what I think is perhaps the single most brilliant and important thing decision that was made about this movie which is he is ascending to the great beyond. It's a big glowy light. It, it, it's like you died, but you know, you're going to move on. And you would think sp- spiritually, it'd be like, that's okay. You know, oh, there's an afterlife and there it is. And I'm going to go to it. They make one decision, which is when the soul's all the way up at the top of the slow airport people mover to heaven, reach the light a bug zapper sound is it's made. A bug zapper sound. 
<laughs> and he hears the bug zapper sound and begins heading the other way because it's terrifying. He doesn't want to get bug zapped by the great bug zapper in the sky and in the end falls off the the conveyor belt and ends up in the great before, which is sort of like a camp for these little blue blobs that are the souls that are being trained and, and, and sorted and analyzed before they're sent on their way to through these sort of uh, universal machinery to their rightful destination as a newborn person on planet earth and that is how this movie gets started <laughs> yeah all the all the little new new uh, new souls are at montessori mm-hmm. school yep yeah. oh. little gumdrop souls oh, goodness and they all have very large numbers for their names except for one that we meet which is tina fey playing number 22 a soul who is one of the first ones ever made apparently and will not go away <laughs> so that that is that's going to become our uh our, our plot mover here is that is that joe who who is should not be there is sort of connected and assigned to work with number twenty two and uh, then uh, the fun begins. I'd like to walk through the uh, real quick the the hyper realism of the opening New York scenes and then the Looney Tunes sequence that really cushions the blow for the kids who are watching or for anybody else who just you know. Uh, somebody said that uh, a person falling over from a heart attack, that's tragedy. A person falling through a manhole cover, through, through an open manhole is comedy. Um, a person dealing with Looney Tunes disasters and then falling through a manhole cover, that's Pixar. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that really helps. And then, and, and, and then having all of that wacky stuff happening and then the transition is just, is just beautiful. Um, it's not just the bug zapper. It's the, um, it's the, this is a character who clearly, in a very short amount of time, we find out that he's really dissatisfied with his life. He really wants something different. He really mm-hmm. thinks that he wants to, you know, that music is his thing, and he's finally got his big break. And, and his his job offer is like a, it's like a, a prison sentence, right? It, it's the ultimate yeah. give up, I think, is the way that you have to read that. His mom wants him to do it because it's a steady job. But he is basically thinking, if I say yes to this, I'm never going to be a professional jazz musician. And so that that sort of terror, um, you know, we he we have been told what motivates him. We know what he's running away from. It's not just the bug zapper. He's trying to get back to the life that he that he thought he was finally going to have. Um, so that desperation is just that desperation makes me believe that he is capable of breaking the rules of the great beyond yeah. and breaking through that force field thing. Yeah. It's that beautiful kind of like, no, I no, I have something to live for kind of like, I, yeah. I think that's a classic movie thing, right? It's, it's, uh, and a classic literature thing, even it's the, the no, I, I don't I, I don't want to go. I have so much to live for. Well, then you can you fight for it? Can you prove that you're special and you have this thing to live for? Um, and that's that's definitely in there when he gets off the people mover. <laughs> I, I love I love how referential it is in the ways that it's referential. I mean, I, I mentioned the Looney Tunes thing, um, but I, I, I dig that all of the all of the Jerry's and Terry uh. are are Picasso doodles. That everybody these days, and especially within our circles, looks at and goes, "Oh, look, the Mac Finder, a character in a Pixar movie." <laughs> I had, oh yes, that, it's a Mac OS logo. There it is. Mac OS logo is in the afterlife. Is it? Isn't that great? Isn't it good Reference to know? acknowledged. Yep. Yeah, and there, there, I also the the uh, surreality of the fact, not just the Picasso 
esque of it, but the almost Dolly esque of it. Yeah, uh, and, and, it it, and they're all named Jerry. Dolly. All the great before counselors are named Jerry, and you get the the there's the sort of the implication that they are all the same, even though you see different ones with different voices. Uh, that there really is only Jerry. They're all Jerry. Yeah. It's I, I love that because it makes you be like, oh, this is so weird. And and is there not a line in this that was just like, look, this is this is how your human puny human brain can process this okay yeah. like I, I love if, if you want your jerry to sound like alice braga great if you want your jerry to sound like fortune feimster great if you want your jerry to sound like richard ayoade which would be me yeah great done you're, you know you you're taken care of yeah so so they're in the great beyond and uh this is the whole idea that the these souls and this is this is the moment that that i think is the most inside out like because it's it's and it's just a it feels very pixar to me to say here's the thing that is how the world works or the universe or whatever. And uh, we got a system. Let me explain the system to you, okay? Here's the system. Uh, we got souls. We prepare them. We send them down. They got a little badge. We fill them out with traits. Once they get their last trait, it's like a, a Cub Scout badge or Girl Scout badge. It's just like a <laughs> like merit badge. We fill it all out. It's like f- filling out a form saying this soul is ready to go. And then we send them down to Earth. They leap out and zoom down to planet earth below and we move on to the next ones because we're just here training souls and then the souls i thought and 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 chip maybe you can help me with this or any of you jump in here um i thought it was interesting that a decision that this movie makes is that souls are single use apparently mm, not reincarnated mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i just thought that was an interesting like in the world there you go to the bug zapper when you're done they don't they don't recycle <laughs> they don't reprocess you you come out as a blue blob you get sent to earth you do your thing you get on the conveyor belt and you hit the bug zapper and i mean maybe the bug zapper oh, I, recycles I, the blue blob down but it's not discussed and it's the strong like, implication is is feeling... and i think thematically important for the movie is you get one you got your one shot even with an afterlife you got one shot Feeling like very Logan's run here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, carousel. Carousel has begun, (laughs) regardless of your age. I mean, I at at first I was trying to find that answer, and and I resisted um, putting something too concrete to it. And you know, the bug zapper thing was effectively just going. You know, you're not going to just be the exact same you know person recycled into another soul because it's not like they get into where the new souls in the U seminar come from right um but i i, I dug that there there's a sense of finality to um to personhood to right. you know there is only one you and that is you right and yeah. when he, yeah. and when you're on the conveyor belt you're you you're not a blue blob so the yeah. soul goes into a person. What comes back out is not a blue blob. It is a person, and the person goes to the bug zapper. So yes, it may very well be. I mean, obviously, the point is you don't know what happens next. But, but I think you're exactly right, Moises. The point is your personhood, who you are, is this one go round. This is what it is. Yeah, the metaphysics of this movie they're 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 kind of wild. They're not. I don't think they're particularly deep. Uh, they come up with new <laughs> rules every like 10 or 20 minutes about, okay, well, this is what happens now. Uh, we'll get to the cat in a little bit. Uh, but, it's like a bunch um, of animators just made stuff up. Uh. Well, imagine that. Uh, but it's not It's not like uh, they're building this huge, they're, they're not building a 15-hour seminar here about <laughs> metaphysics. Right. Um, you know, they come up with ideas. You know, we have no idea what we have no idea how uh, the mentors are supposed to get off of the right. people mover to heaven. Um, 
what happened what happened in between um Carl Jung dying and Carl Jung becoming uh 22's uh mentor who knows right all we know is that this one this one guy uh freaked out and broke through and became um a renegade mentor or whatever um you know and that's one of the things that that I had a little bit of a, of trouble getting into the flow of the movie uh from this point on just a little bit because because the rules just new rules sort just sort of pop up here here there and everywhere hmm. Hmm. interesting uh one of the things we're introduced to here is this idea that that you need a spark before you can yeah. go and and this is a, a thing that go, gets it gets defined but i think it gets assumed and this is the twist that comes later is that is that what joe tries to do is is help 22 to find a a passion and try a bunch a bunch of different stuff and it doesn't work and He's kind of getting desperate and they go, they end up with going into the, the zone, which turns out, and I thought, I found this delightful, um, that when you get into that really into a groove and it doesn't have to be necessarily like a creative groove. It could be as much of a groove as the guy who's spinning the sign on the corner of the street, then you're (laughs) in the zone. And when you're in the zone, you are kind of transported into this portion of the spiritual world where also there are lost souls who have become kind of blob monsters. They also are there. And there's a guy on a pirate ship who flies around with other people. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's super weird this part, but it was, it was, it was uh, whimsical and fun. And I like the sort of what it's trying to say here, which is like when you're in the zone, yeah, you actually are kind of touching the face of God a little bit. That's, that's what it is. And also there's this pirate guy who's there. I don't know. I don't know what that means. That's one of the rules that gets added, Chip, right? It's like, uh, that's, I that's, guess that's this is it. I don't know if they get added or they just get, get well revealed, revealed right but it's like know, the in additional because... complication like all right okay i got this world you got it got it what the zone okay all right bring it on movie yeah a pirate ship yeah. driven by a space burger king i mean it's weird <laughs> it's just plain weird it, the the thing i found um coolest conceptually about the zone was that um lost souls are trapped in it and people who are who are vibing with it are floating above it and and the right. lost souls are doing their own like they're in their own version of a groove aka a rut yes. and and it is something that has become so um so imprisoning that that it's it's turned them into these marvel comic style mindless ones from doctor strange and isn't um, it like i mean so cool. very clearly what the movie is saying in this point the, the movie there are moments where the movie is like this is a thing we're saying and other moments where the movie's like i don't know are we saying that mm, maybe not but here, it's very clearly like you can be in the zone or you could be in a rut, and it's really the, sa- it's the same thing. Except with a, th- there's a little bit of a difference there. But it is almost like here's the cautionary tale. Like the same place yeah. that can bring you joy and put you in the zone is a place where you can be lost and doomed. Yeah, Whoa. it's um, the, uh, I mean, I that was definitely one of the like oh, hadn't thought of it that way. That, um, somebody who is obsessed is obsessed, you know, and they are, you know, so often we get these um, tales that are like, you have to find that thing and just, you know, go with that, you know, full on, and that's going to make your life fantastic, because you have your uh, passion, your, your calling, your whatever. But, you know, and it's always portrayed as a positive thing. But then, to say like, well, 
<laughs> it's maybe not so positive. And there's a thin layer, you know, between the person who's obsessed with something creative um, versus uh, somebody who's obsessed with uh, hedge fund trading. Right. My favorite line in that whole bit is uh, when Moonbeam says, or when Moonwind says that, you know, he was a lost soul once too. Yes. It was Tetris. <laughs> Tetris. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And and oh. that takes us that I I think I can, there's I a can through line between uh, there's a through line between that line there and I think the whole point of the hmm. movie in the end. <laughs> the the thing the thing that um I love about the way the movie is structured is that. You know, there are people that say that um, creative creatives, creative writers um, are architects or gardeners, um, and the movie is both. It, it is this beautiful midpoint between those things, um, and it's it's a testament to how, and this isn't to say that Pete Doctor's previous films haven't been incredibly excellent and wonderful and transcendent and great and everything, um, but this movie really shows the way that his storytelling um, technique and and structure has has continued to build and build and build, and he has um, you know I, he's he's said in interviews that I mean the movie itself is is very metaphorical to um, you know crises of of conscience he's had of himself of what is it what am I doing why am I doing it is this any good um, and I think that the the most beautiful thing about the movie is that at the center of it it is a guy who is fixated and stuck in a rut thinking that there has to be some sort of like God created singular purpose and meaning to life. Yeah. Who is missing the fact that he is one of the rarest creatures on the planet, which is a great teacher. There are people who can teach and there are great teachers. There are teachers who can transform the lives that come anywhere near them. And then he's dropped in the pre afterlife with the 22nd soul created, um, who has just been uh, completely stuck in its own rut uh, of 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 telling of telling itself that you know what's the what is the point what is the point if I can't find the one singular purpose in life so he he is he is in the great teaching crisis of his life and he doesn't even realize that it is him counseling this other being but also counseling himself through the exact same thing um, and I, I just I, I think it's it, it it is magnificent that with uh, i i even hesitate to call it window dressing but the 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 stuff that it hangs around that central narrative um that it all works and works so well even if as chip says they have to make up new rules every three or four minutes the rules end up working you know it it it, it ends up serving the purpose of of what it is that they are trying to get across which isn't saying this is the one thing that joe has to do or this is the thing that joe was meant to do but it's it's that there is more to life then we often uh, allow ourselves to see. We get really tunnel vision about stuff. Um, and that they combine that with New York Knicks jokes and oh. characters like Moon, Wind, Star, Dancer, Wind, Star, Dreamer, Moon, Dreamer, Star, Wind, Moon, and Dreamer, Wind, Dreamer, <laughs> Dreamer uh, is amazing. The, Nick, the Knicks jokes, as, as a fan of some oh, terrible God. sports teams, <laughs> and, and it, it turns out it was on Twitter the night, on Christmas night, Kemp Power said, I am a lifelong Knicks fan. That is my joke. Uh, it's the idea that in the zone, they're basically they every time the Knicks are in the zone, they get knocked out of the zone. It's like part of the the part of the deal, and it's like yes, that's so funny. That's such a good thing. But you're right. I mean, uh, we're about to get to the part of the movie where it gets zany, and there's like like a body swap comedy involving a cat. 
that happens here, which is, you know, it's for the for the maybe the younger audience to lean forward and, and, and see some wacky shenanigans back on Earth. But uh, before we do it, I, I do think we should talk about this premise because you hit it. You hit on it, Moises. Um, this movie is, you know, there is an easy thing. I what I like about what, what the movie does about this theme is you could say easily, well, this movie is all about just following your bliss, man, or finding the thing you were meant to do. And this movie is aggressively not about that. This movie is adding this whole other layer of complication, which is, which is being so, this is why the kids aren't going to appreciate this part of it, but like being so obsessed with what you're meant to do that you miss out. And it's not just missing out on the thing you actually are really great at and that you can impact the world in, but also missing out on everything, missing out on appreciating all the other aspects of your life because you've decided that you should have been meant for this. And if you don't do that, you failed at life. And I I like that it takes the extra step as we go here and we see all the ways that Joe teaches people and impacts people that the point of the movie isn't turns out Joe is not a musician. He's a teacher. And once he learns that lesson, he'll be good. That's not, that's kind of not the lesson. The lesson is kind of Joe is so concerned about this, the weight that he bears that he's missing all the other aspects of his life, including the big things and the little things. And I think that's just, I know it's like, you could say that that, that's, that's a, a small difference, but I think it's a, I think it's a big deal that it's not just going for the easy, oh, it, he thought he was a musician, but it turns out he's a teacher. That's not what the movie is trying to say. I completely right. agree. That is uh, the thing that really gets to me. And, and, it, and it's sort of it's sort of driven home all the way at the end of the movie. Um, but but uh, we see at several points during this movie that Joe is at least a good, if not an occasionally great or you know, frequently great teacher. We see in this movie that he is at least a good piano player, uh, jazz piano player, to the point of he's a hell of a good jazz piano player. Um, he uh, he he reaches his peak playing for uh, Dorothy, Dorothea Williams, and he's just so super good at both of those things, and he is so satisfied with neither. Yeah, that comes home in the end. Um, um, but I agree with you, Jason, that it's um, it's it is a really subtle way to uh, a really subtle message for the movie, um, possibly too subtle in some ways. I, I found a couple of lines here and there in the movie that kind of spell it out. But they're lines among jokes and um, and and cat butt gags and things like that. So um but but yeah that's that is that it really is what this is uh, what this is all about is more than more than profession and that that's something that's something i picked up on the first time i saw it but uh became more vivid the second time the the you know the the deeper stuff that's kind of thrown off like i noticed the former student of his who got him the gig with dorothea going you know yours is the only class i really liked in school um Mr. Gardner. And, and it's just like the focus of the movie is very conscious of the fact that this very deep, heartfelt, 
sweet and kind and appreciative things being said by his former student. And Joe isn't paying attention to it. So the movie doesn't pay attention to it. You, you have to be listening for it to pick up on that stuff. And, and I think that, um, it is a choice and I, I like the choice as, as something that is, that rewards future viewings, um, which I think even within the canon of Pixar, it's almost like this one, this one is going, you're going to watch this one in the year 2020 and you're going to watch it maybe five years from now and maybe 10 years from now. And there are going to be other things that you pick up on and other things that, that maybe go into how the movie maybe helps you grow as a person, um, that you just may not notice that you may not get, you know, Joe may not, realize, oh yeah, that thing that he said to me on the street the other day, um, he's not going to, you know, necessarily recognize it at the end of this movie, but his head's in a place where a year from now, two years from now, it'll, it'll strike him completely unawares where he goes, you know what? I, why am I only realizing this now? Um, it's, it's almost like the movie is him calibrating himself for the rest of his life. Here's the thing I, I didn't realize until just now thinking about this is that, that, uh, student Curly is uh, voiced by Questlove from mm-hmm. who you may know from <laughs> The Tonight Show, and he's playing with John Batiste from. Right. There's lots. Of, there's lots of late night bad leaders in this movie. <laughs> I I mean, yeah, it's not that I didn't know it, but right then I'm like, ah. Oh. So apparently, like the high call, highest calling is to become the band leader of a late night show. <laughs> yeah, and that's a great character. That that's the uh, uh, Curly is the one who is Joe's former student who gets him the audition and talks about how he's such a you know he obviously he sees a lot of of students over the years, but I, and I think this is true. Um, Chip, your your wife's a teacher, right? Like you go through so many students, but just the, the law of averages or law of large numbers or whatever it is, like you're going to get somebody who, for whom you were the most important teacher because of all those hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, all of these kids who play music for him, one of them turned out to be a professional jazz musician, like one. But to that one person, Mr. Gardner is the most important teacher in his life. <laughs> and yeah. it's and it's sweet. That, that, that was, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean he had that impact on hundreds and hundreds, but there are occasionally those kids. And so he gets in the gig and, it, and, and it, it's the first reminder. And then we see a second interaction with a student shortly when I get back to the plot. Uh, and and uh, but that's important. His his uh, relationship with with Curly and that he's got him this uh, audition at the beginning of the movie before he dies in the manhole. Um, okay, let's mention. So they go. So they use a a, a, a sort of mystic uh, lost soul ceremony thing, place. and they uh, they beam uh, Joe back into his body. Except mm, whose body is in the hospital? He's he's not dead. He's in the hospital, dying, but not dead. And um, there's a mix up. <laughs> oh, a wacky mix up. <laughs> and twenty two. The lost soul enters Joe's body, and Joe ends up in a cat, a therapy cat that is also in the room. And so we have a segment of the movie where 22 is experiencing life for the first time, but it's Joe's life, and uh, 22 is maybe messing it up, uh, or at least Joe wants 22 to do certain things. And, of course, Joe is a uh, talking cat. A talking cat. Uh, and so this is where we get our kind of, there's some wacky stuff in here, but also, uh, we get the, the student, there's the, the, the mentorship of the student who wants to quit the band on the steps outside the door. 
Um, and yeah. and we get a we get to peer into Joe's life with him not being able to control it so much in this segment. <laughs> and this is the this is the second point where I'm just like, okay, what movie am I watching again? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like this is the third movie within the movie. Yeah. Uh, the 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 farce of uh, the 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 pre-soul in Joe's body and Joe and the cat's body and wacky physical comedy. Um, uh, you know, and it, and it takes me, it takes me a while to reorient every single time as it does for the characters. And I guess that I'm, I'm, I'm on the path that the movie wants me to be on. I'm discombobulated and wondering what's coming next. I had no idea that there was going to be wacky cat humor in this movie. I was I completely know. unprepared. Yeah. Mm. Why wasn't I informed? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a uh, it's it's wacky. Uh, it's more Pixar-y in this part. I did have a moment where I thought this is a really interesting choice to go this kind of broad with it. But I, I get you know again, if you're going to accept the bug zapper in the sky, can you not accept the you know cat and person soul switcheroo? Um, and we get you know we get a lot of I I, I really like that. We've seen some of Joe's life, but Joe is Joe. Joe's limitations are kind of clear in the first part of his life that we see. And in the second part, 22 forces Joe first off to view his life from the outside, which is, I think, interesting. And lets us see Joe's life kind of open up a little bit because it's this kind of wild character who's taking us through his life. And so whether it's talking to the student, but also uh, the, uh, the barbershop stuff, like there's a lot of good stuff in there where we understand uh, more about Joe and his life. That's important. And rather than, I mean, okay, structurally, rather than loading that all at the front of the movie, having 22 experience it and see mm-hmm. it and and us see it sort of when we know what sort of Joe's stakes are and Joe is now seeing it as a this is your life kind of thing. I think it's a, it's a brilliant choice to have a talking cat with your main character in it, but uh, I think it does the job of uh, giving us a chance to judge Joe's life a little bit and for Joe to see uh, his life and for 22 to judge Joe a little bit too in these, in these <laughs> scenes. And I think, I think it's good as unexpected as it was. I think it's really good. When we also get the, what I think is now the Pete doctor signature, which is uh, you figure out the meaning of life through pizza, um, <laughs> only through pizza. Mm-hmm. Can you properly appreciate life? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is very little that surprises me in this segment of the story. Um it it just seems to make sense that now that 22's actually in a body that 22 is going to experience things that uh, they weren't going to make sense of uh in all of the various halls of you and halls of everything or whatever <laughs> was up there hall of justice um that you know there's a pretty clear progression that's going to happen from here on out that she's going to become more accustomed to Joe's body, that Joe is going to have epiphanies along the way, that 22 is going to have epiphanies. And then and then you look at the uh, time remaining on your slider because you're not watching this in a theater and you're like, okay, there's a lot more to come. Where is this going to go from here? But for this segment of it, it felt kind of predictable to me. Um, uh, I loved the lessons that were being learned along the way, but I was not surprised that uh, Connie 
decided to stick with the trombone. Um, I was not surprised that uh, 22 loved pizza. But the barbershop scene, I think, is like yeah. is just like a jewel in this movie that is already a jewel. I'm I'm making an assumption that nobody else on on here uh, has spent um, the amount of time that I have in a black barbershop. Um, but the fact that they got it so right, I mean, if you watch the extra features um, beyond just look at you know who they they credited as as uh, cultural consultants and so on, beyond just having people in the cast and bringing Kemp Powers on. As a co-director, I should mention, um, shortly after this episode posts, um, his um, One Night in Miami play, which was adapted into a movie by Regina King, will be on Amazon within the week. Um, and and I highly recommend it. Um, th- they really, they didn't just do the homework, they did homework and brought people into, um, into the tent and made them an active part of the process of making this thing. Um, and I, that, that felt more authentic to a real life experience than many other things in, in Pixar movies. Um, like that is, it is the vibe. It is the, I mean, it, it is not a place you go to get your haircut and you're done in 20 minutes. If you're going to go get your haircut that Saturday um, and, and you get that feeling. Um, and, and the fact that uh, everybody is so uh, cleanly defined as characters in there, even the characters that you literally never see again, or, you know, the one character that you see again for like a minute, um, everybody feels authentic and lived in and not just, oh, hey, let's have, you know, another couple of black actors voice um, indistinguishable characters that that aren't uh, distinct in any way from one another, um, which I, I'm glad to have seen Pixar continue to grow in this respect. Um, and that isn't to say that they have a bad record overall on, on, uh, cultural depictions, but they got this especially right because they really, 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 really did it the right way. I'm glad you said that. Um, you're right. I've got no experience with that. It felt real to me, but, um, just because it feels real to a white guy who's watching from the outside looking in doesn't mean that it is. Yeah. And I, my experience with it is only in other movies. And, right. and so I know what to expect there, but I can't gauge it beyond that. It was a, it's an amazing like scene. And yeah, the way I read it was very much like, this is the community. This is the crucible. This is like the people who know him and there's history and there's like, what a perfect place. Or, or if you're Joe and you don't want 22 messing things up, the worst place for this, but it's got to get done. It's got to get, got to get a haircut and get, yeah. I like the prioritization moment too, where it's like, Whoa, wait a second, front of the line. Very important. Like that, that, that's a fun moment too. This is, yes, yeah. this man, this man needs our help. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Like complaining, <laughs> complaining about who, you know, who, who gets next in the chair is, is also, I mean, it's a fundamental part of it and, and that it, they made it, uh, more than just a reference, but they made it a plot point was especially wonderful. I, I lo- also love this concept of like when you're in the chair, you know, you're in charge and and that becomes, you know, like a touchstone for 22 is like, I want to be in the chair. I'm like, I want to be in the chair. Uh, and I would even take lollipops too, you know, if, if uh, that would help me, you know, feel... Uh- that. I am I am so sad. I am so pitiful. I heard the I want to be in the chair and I immediately thought Star Trek and not the scene immediately <laughs> before. <laughs> Moonwind, the dream pirate, is uh, twirling a sign <laughs> and they get they get to Moonwind and they're going to do something to try and get uh, Joe back in his body. 
22 doesn't want to leave. 22 wants to find a uh, purpose on Earth. We get some some running and then they uh, end up getting sent back. Terry ends up grabbing them. Terry, who is the uh, the the cop of the great beyond the celestial bean counter who's been in various intercut <laughs> scenes terry has been like i don't know i just got to catch up with those guys this is basically for various portions of the movie trying to track them down i should mention here terry played by rachel house who plays that kind of part in thor ragnarok in hunt for the yes. wilder people um and is uh, is a, a an apocalyptically powerful comedian <laughs> Yeah. So um, there is, let's see. So so now they're back in the great before, and and this is like, all right, it's going to catch up now with Joe and what's Joe doing? And uh, turns out twenty two's badge has been filled out somehow. Joe uh, D- Joe has taken twenty two to Earth, and the imp- the unteachable soul has been taught. Um, and there and this is this is where we get that lesson that it is sort of like part of the story of this movie, which is he misunderstood what the spark was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that line, that line, those really aren't purposes, 22. That's just regular old living. Yeah. Um, um, that's, that's, the, that's the line that they have uh, before they uh, flee from Terry, before they make it back up there. Uh, but I, I really wanted to call out that line as being super important in the end. Right. Because that's um, 22 saying, like, maybe my spark is... Uh, is stargazing or it's walking or it's, you know, and it's like, I mean, even I thought like, yeah, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work. (laughs) No, it's living and being ready to live and have those experiences that 22 didn't want to have before. But that doesn't get spelled out just yet. No, no. So what what ends up happening is that Joe takes 22's completed badge and sort of sneaks back to earth essentially. Um, And, uh, and he does the perform, the jazz performance. and you know so that's that's great but um he has qualms he has he has qualms about all of that and in the end um what he does is he plays the piano um and enters the zone 22 has become a lost soul because she ran away um in that confrontation back in the uh, in the great before um, and he basically coaxes her back. He arouses the, all the all the all the zone pirates and uh, and <laughs> convinces her that um, that she needs to go to the earth and live a life. And they um, and and they they kind of toss her. Joe goes with her, but like he's going to get rebounded. But she's going to go down. And the last we see her, she's headed for. Looks like China to me, but she's just headed for a, a place where she is going to be incarnated and live her life. And uh and and that's like he's been successful, so now he is sort of ready to get on the escalator and get zapped by the bug zapper when uh Jerry uh basically says, Well, Terry sucks. Uh you can go back to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so Joe returns to his his body on planet Earth and has a a, a changed perspective because of what mm-hmm. he's seen in the film, and that that's how Soul comes to an end. Because the, the you know the truth is that uh, he you know and, and the message again is not just oh he learned that he needs to be a teacher. That's not it. It's he learned he needs to not 
like the way I read it is not be so hard on himself, not invest everything he is into whether he's a professional musician or not. See the other things that bring him joy in life that he is a teacher and makes an impact on people is important. And it's a thing that he does well, but it's more than that. It's that he needs to appreciate his life as it is and not be unhappy with it because there's this thing that he thinks he should be doing that he's not doing. He says, I'm going, you know, they said, what are you going to do now? And he says, I don't know, but I will. I know I'm going to live every minute, which. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's figured out uh, and the line and that the, the other half of the line um, is uh, when he's reaching 22 is your spark isn't your purpose. That last box fills in when you're ready to come live. Hmm. Uh, and then, and then it leans into the metaphor of jazz's life. You know, jazz is improv- improvisational. Um, I've always sucked at jazz when I've had the opportunities to play it, but I was, I, I was always adjacent in college to people who were in jazz bands and things like that. You know, um, being in the moment and seeing what's around you and improvising and 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 sort of yes ending the world uh, as it comes your way that's living your best life right there and he's he's finally figured it out he doesn't need to be a teacher he doesn't need to be a musician he just needs to live i mean going back to before when when uh, he was in the cat's body and 22 was in his body you know he stands up to his mother and and tells her more clearly and forcefully than as is implied he ever has this is who i am this is what i need this is what i have wanted more than anything this is what i am passionate about um and it would it would feel fulfilling if joe were to feel like he had tied up his business um but to me that's because that is the that is the tidy way that those kinds of stories have been told to us in the past. Yeah. I really, I I love that he is, he is given that new opportunity to riff and go on and live his life with this new sensibility, with this new appreciation for things. Um, it, it feels so much less, feels so much less like I'm being told by my mother what I'm supposed to do with my life and instead living my life with, um, the appreciation and support of people who love and care about me. Um, I, th- that's the, like, you know, even if it weren't Felicia Rashad's voice, um, <laughs> you know, like the, the present, that presence, that parental, um, you know, I'm watching out for you. So I am telling you to do things that make you fundamentally unhappy. Um, you know, getting, getting over that hump and, and not, not validating, that you should be miserable, just like mom says. Um, I, you know, it it is a it is a Pixar-y thing, but it's it's also, like I said, it's it's a big it's a big shift in the way that these kinds of stories about you know being grateful for people and being grateful for stability and security and and that kind of thing. Um, those are great things, but that doesn't prevent you from living a full, fulfilling life, and you know, listening to, um, you know, just the rhythm of, 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 of leaves flying through the air. Um, and I, I love that the image is that simple of seeing this thing and this other thing and leaves fluttering and, you know, seeds spinning down off of a tree. It's a much more wholesome way to get that message across than in American beauty. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like oh boy. Fo- focus, focusing on that kind of stuff um, and just letting letting it breathe, letting the idea breathe. Um, they've been threading it throughout the whole movie, but they just let it breathe and sink in and don't beat us over the head with it, which is why I think often we'll, you know, we'll say this movie or that movie Pixar did didn't really feel like that much of a Pixar movie felt like a DreamWorks movie. To me, that's that's what I think of when I think of DreamWorks is let me find a big enough hammer to right. hit you over the head with well, and uh, and you'll get it eventually. Some Denny. of us were having a conversation in our Slack uh, uh, when this movie came out. And I, I think somebody who's not in this podcast uh, episode but said something like, um, did I miss like that moment? And it was interesting because I hadn't really I hadn't really formed it at that point. I know that I left the movie thinking that it was interesting that it didn't do that moment but i i have the more i think about it the more i like it that there isn't that moment at the end of the movie where it's like and that's what it's all about charlie brown right that isn't there and and when you're so trained to have that moment in a movie where it's like ah this is what it's all about and they they seem to be setting it up and then they don't do it you can feel like what just happened? Why Why did we yeah. miss it? But that's the point of the movie is that there isn't just one thing that's a solution. It's more complicated than that. And it is the big picture. It is all the things and learning to appreciate life and not just the character finally found the thing he was meant to do. Because the truth is, none of us are meant to do anything. And a lot of us don't get to do the thing that we dream of. And that doesn't mean that there isn't beauty in the world and we don't add positive things to the world and that we can't enjoy our lives just because we've set, I would say Joe has set himself up to fail that unless he is, has a very particular kind of path, he is going to be unhappy and feel he's failed at life. And I think it's beautiful that the movie in the end, what's changed about Joe is that that's not going to be the case anymore, whatever he does. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he's going to be jazzing. He, you know, I love that. He, he goes cut. from it's not even a word to it's what he's doing. I know it's yeah. hokey. I know it's hokey to be like, oh, life is like jazz, man. But but it's beautiful. It, <laughs> yeah. it really is. Yeah. It, it is yeah. because it, it is because jazz yeah. is not uh, like this laid down path that you follow. Jazz is uh, about the big picture, and it is improvisational, and it is it is more expansive than that and so to have a jazz i mean i think this is why the decision was made to have the main character who was not originally a jazz musician be one is that it does give you that extra layer which is like he kind of needs to lift his head up and realize that he is he is playing jazz his life is jazz and it's a it's it's beautiful and i like what i what struck me though is that i really craved that moment that is the and this is what it's all about and when i didn't get it i was like huh Okay, yeah. like interesting. Like and I again, it's there him being a mentor. It's very clear that he's a very talented mentor and that there is a thing that he does better than he understands. And they could have leaned on that, but they didn't. It's there. It's all there. You don't need to lean harder on it. And um, it, it weaves yeah. into, I mean, all of these mentors that 22 had, you know, Mother Teresa, Muhammad Ali, <laughs> yeah. like they, they were hate all, her. They, they all hate her. They all hate her. <laughs> They're all yeah. so good at doing a thing, but that doesn't mean that that, yeah. that they can that they miraculously can like pull a specific little thought out of their head that is going to make help someone understand the simple things and simple joys of, of life. And, and I, I kind of dig the dig at, at celebrity, um, uh, deification, 
where mm. it's, oh, these people who are known for doing such great things, well, they, they did some incredible things and, and accomplished some amazing things. That doesn't mean that, that they can immediately tell you, you know, what, what it is to live a fulfilling life for you or in general. Um, and you know, the, the, the position that so many of those people are put in is here, come do a masterclass on a thing and talk about being great and talk about, you know, where inspiration comes from so that everybody can go to that (laughs) store and buy all their inspiration. Um, like I, I dug that. It cracked me up throughout where they talked about the you seminar that felt really like modern, that feeling of like, come, you know, to our seminar and pay this big amount of money and we will help you find yourself. Yeah, we will pair <laughs> you with your coach. And and I've been through experiences like that very recently and they've been extraordinarily valuable for me, but um, but they're not for everybody and they're absolutely not for 22. Um, I want to yes and what you just said, Moises, about the, 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 the celebrities not necessarily being the best mentors. When, um, when Joe pursues 22 as a lost soul and sort of tumbles into her body and we get all of this back and forth between the images of her mentors including joe and herself repeating that she's worthless and she doesn't have a spark and she doesn't have anything and that 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 interplay between her memories of the mentors and what the mentors might have been saying and her own awful self-image back and forth you know you suddenly see how she could have been there for billions of years it's it's a never-ending it's a never-ending cycle until joe breaks it i mean that the achievement pressure that's put on kids these days where Mm -hmm. they are all they all have to be the greatest they can all be anything they want to be and they can all do this and they all you know have all of this stuff like all of that is shoved into their ears um, so, 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 so repetitiously, um, the anxiety and, and lack of kindness that there is with those expectations being laden on them is, uh, it, it's, 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 it's phrased as support, but it really, it really just is, here's a gigantic anxiety generator. Hope you have fun. Good luck. Um, you know, go ahead and, and feel bad about the fact that you have literally the world is your oyster. You know, everything's before you. You can do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> good luck meeting expectations of you can literally do anything and change the world. Um, I, I, I thought that that was a really wonderful way to crystallize what was holding 22 back more than anything was that need for kindness and understanding more than anything. From the moment Joe sits down at the piano. Uh, before he gets into the zone, but right when he's just uh, starting to remember and he's looking at the uh, the seed and the piece of bagel and things like that, that's the moment in the movie where I start to cry and mm. I pretty much wrap up the crying uh, when Joe steps out on his uh, stoop. You know, I'm not I'm not racked with sobs or anything, mm. just this uh, constant little bit of waterworks because it's it's Joe discovering joy in uh the little things um the small things um it's um it's about mindfulness it's about uh perspective it's about finding contentment um this is the this is the piece that makes this movie um 
art and just personally meaningful for me mm-hmm. um from from there on um just um the uh, the the thing that you said early on about the, the the difference between being in a groove or in a rut you know it's 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 the mm-hmm. living and this movie defines living as you know finding joy in wherever you are yeah i would say you know one of the brilliant things that this movie does is it is structured like a movie where the great quest is to find out what you're meant to do but in the end, the message is just, you're alive. Enjoy it. <laughs> That's it. Like, yeah. fi- that, that is the message. And, and, and you know, is that going to resonate with a, a kid watching a Pixar movie? Maybe not. But maybe they'll revisit this movie later and they'll, uh, <laughs> and they'll be like, whoa, did you know that this movie is actually? Yeah, that's right. I've seen my daughter do that with some <laughs> movies where she's like, Inside Out, did you know that it's really about? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but I think I, I, I like that they, it is it is absolutely structured to to take you where it doesn't take you. It's it's very very good. <laughs> it's good. It's well done. Yeah, I thought so. Um, before we wrap this up, I will say also, twenty twenty, a lot of weird things happened. <laughs> Movies got released on streaming that would normally have been released in theaters. This movie was released the same day on Christmas Day as uh, Wonder Woman eighty four, another blockbuster movie that was released to streaming because theaters in the U S are basically closed. And uh, I thought it was really interesting that, um, and we're not going to talk about Wonder Woman 84, but I'll just say, I, I thought it was really interesting because Wonder Woman 84 was so long, we didn't watch it on Christmas Day. We watched this one because it was getting late in the evening and, and that movie was too long to watch. So we watched Soul. And I'm so glad I did. And I think it's yeah. funny that in the aftermath of Christmas week, the general consensus is the movie everybody was looking forward to, they were disappointed by. And the movie that people didn't really even know was there, they were, which is Soul, they, they were really excited by. That's absolutely how I felt. I was so happy that, that we watched this on Christmas night. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's sad, I'm sure, for everybody involved that they didn't get their big theatrical release that they, they wanted to because, uh, you know, I think this is a great movie. I think this is one of the one of the top shelf Pixar's and there have not been as many of those lately as there were in the earlier days. And um, so I'm sorry about that, but I'm also kind of really glad that it was there on that day at the end of mm-hmm. 2020 when we were all in our homes and some of us with our family <laughs> trapped in our homes. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad I'm glad it 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 got yeah. there to us on that day at that time, even though I know it's not what they would have preferred. I hope I get to see it on IMAX someday. The visuals yes. are stunning. Yeah. The soundtrack I want to, I want to be immersed in it. Um I hope I get that opportunity someday. The last time I sat forward while watching something and said, "Oh my god, what is this music?" It was actually Watchmen. So Tr- Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross triple thumbs up. <laughs> like I love their work <laughs> yeah. so much and it's so weird and good and and nice, and then you've got the jazz score as well, which is beautiful. So, like, but but it's so rare that I do one of those. Like, what is this music? It's amazing. And it and the last two times it's been Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So <laughs> they do it for me. I'm I'm glad that this thing uh, hit on Disney Plus when it hit, uh, so that so that there was something of this caliber that had that kind of 
Um, you know, it used to be that it was always like The Wizard of Oz and It's a Wonderful Life. And th- there were movies that always came on TV at a certain time. And what's on TV is just not really a thing anymore. And there is a similar kind of spiritual connection that I that I felt like this had where it was like pretty much everybody was was watching this movie or Wonder Woman 1984 or both of them over the course of the day. But a lot of people looked at the runtime of Wonder Woman and went, oh, well, let's, you know, let's let's watch the Pixar thing. Um, I feel like provided things are such that um, movie theaters are, are able to be open in the way that they have been in the past before the pandemic, I would be shocked. Um, actually, I would be disappointed. I'm not going to put the expectations on that, but I would be disappointed if this did not get some sort of a second run um, yeah. theatrical right. release yeah. in December of, ne- of of this year, 2021, um, even though they've got other stuff and they will probably have another Pixar movie in theaters at the same time. I don't care, man. Like there, there is some like fourth sequel to something that should have gone direct to video that nobody's watching. Like give, <laughs> give, give this thing some space and people will go out and see it. Um, yeah. it, it is something that from the John Batiste jazz score to the Atticus Ross Trent Reznor electronic score to the Erica Badu, Bob Dylan, Herbie Hancock songs mm-hmm. on the soundtrack. Like, it is it is as as carefully considered as the music and sound in Pixar movies always is. Um, I'm I'm right there with you, Jason. Like this one, it has a different vibe and feel and rhythm to it that is uh, two different it, vibes. It, <laughs> it's amazing, multiple different vibes. I mean, like it, not only not only is it visually gorgeous and sumptuous and beautifully structured, um, but the 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 sound of this movie is is just unreal. And I I want. I want, you know, Dolby Cinema speakers blaring it at me. Yeah, I hear you. I also want to put in a plug. It's not, usually a Pixar movie starts with a short. There isn't a short per se, but they did release on Christmas Day a Pixar short called Burrow, which is one of their Spark shorts. It's also available on Disney+. And I'll just say, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's six minutes long. It is adorable and 2D animation from Pixar. (gasps) Yeah, Amazing. yeah. It. I. I watched it. And I was like, "Can you imagine? Is that what? What? Two <laughs> D animation from Pixar? This is great." So check that out. It is uh, the Madeline uh, Sharafian is the director of that, and it's a. Uh, it's gorgeous. It's amazing. It's a. It's about a rabbit. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I was gonna um, say. <laughs> it's. It's amazing. It's I was amazing. gonna say it's not a rodent because rabbits are not rodents. Oh. They're. Uh, something else but they're gamey beasts that's what they are i am on team rodent so i will be it's a small mammal that's the important thing it's a small mammal it has lots of friends who are burrowing down under there and that's it's six minutes long there's nothing more to say all right uh soul is great and you should watch it and uh, it's on disney plus (laughs) if you've got that you should go watch it now Uh, you should have already watched it because i told you to uh, but if you still listen to this podcast, go watch it now, and then uh, you'll understand what we were talking about. Let me thank my guests for joining me to talk about this excellent movie. These three souls will now face the bug zap. Oh, that's dark. Uh, <laughs> Chip Sutter. Wow. Thank you. Seriously, stay away from those processed foods. <laughs> Gene McDonald, thank you. Thank you very much for letting me talk about this 
movie that I have now seen three times. It's nice to talk about it with people. That's what podcasts are for. That's what podcasts are for. <laughs> Emily says, Chuyan, thank you. Jason, I know that you're, uh, you're, you're making this a quick turnaround. You're going to get this thing posted very quickly after we record yes. it here. But please make sure that the counts are not off. Make sure that the numbering is correct. You don't want to <laughs> have a missing soul or episode. That would be bad. Uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable, but unfortunately it has reached the end and it too must face the bug zapper. But that's okay. The podcast will be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.